right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris Sims. All right, okay, let's go and get it. Sims and Lepko Podcast. Fendrick is freaking out right now, which always means it's good. We got Braxton Miller talking. We're going to get to him in a second because, yeah, Braxton Miller's on the show. But first, episode 58. Who you got for me? Oh, Carl Banks, uh, Giants, opposite of Lawrence Taylor. Yes. And then another one would be, of course, the Super Bowl MVP. You heard of him, Von Miller? Yeah. Oh, oh you guys are dumb. See, I, I went Derek Thomas. Yet. I went Jack Lambert. Right. And then one guy I really don't like, Jonathan Papelbon. He's a pun. He was a 58, Papelbon. He's huh? always been a 58. Who do you got? You said you were excited for the 58. Linebacker for the Patriots, drafted out of Rutgers. We were talking about him the other day. He right. wore 58 for the year. I don't remember what name he, what number you he went wore. Von Miller over Steve Boharnis. You got to have more of a cup of coffee on the team before I start. More than a your, cup of coffee. Number, he was on the okay? team for a whole season. The like, Patriots drafted him. Here's my jersey and a cup of coffee. Oh, hey, I'm off the team now. <laughs> Still Dave, wore 58. Let me see those stinky fingers. Oh, baby. Ooh, a fluttering finger from Stinky Gabe. Control room, please. The beautiful people that make this all possible. Oh, wow. We got Kristen a the board. We got Ryan. We got Jake. What's we got up, George. Everybody? We got Paul. Can't see who's in the back cam. It's Steinmetz. Oh. Look at Steinmetz. Stein the sex appeal. And, the, and Villanova. The, the beard. From George. All right. Let's see the back real quick. The old ingest room. Oh, hello, Pellegrino. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that the actual Pellegrino is S. Pellegrino, like the product, just like Steve Pellegrino. Apparently, it's his water. Right. Super pumped. Hope he's got it in the red stall. I can cup. hear Braxton talking. Yeah, so, so let's, let's bring him Can he hear in. us? I don't know. Braxton. We're not ready for him yet. Yeah, let's, right. let's get to Braxton. Welcome to the wait? internet, in Braxton in Miller. Not yet. Oh, not yet? All right. Well, then I want to talk about basketball because that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen was the national championship game. Villanova beat North Carolina. Yes. We have not talked about this at all. Right. Again, we are trying to go entire days without talking to each other before the podcast. <laughs> uh, how amazing was that? Uh, where were you? What did you do? Because I think it's one of those moments where you talk about it like that. Sitting on the couch with my wife. And just so you like, th- my wife's this such a non-sports fan. I mean, she's such a like, wah, wah. She's like, she's well, like the Kardashians. Well, no, I cheer and she's like, oh, wow. The ball went through the hoop. Let's all make a big deal about it. <laughs> And I wanted to be like, you are. For so. that shot? Yes. She like, that shot went in. Jenkins hit that shot, and your wife went, wow. She didn't say directly after, but I was still talking about it a few minutes after. So she just gets sick of hearing it. But definitely one of the best NCAA finals ever that I've ever, seen. Ever, from beginning to end. I think, like, Kansas, Memphis a few years back yeah, was absolutely. a good one. Mario Chalmers hit the shot to go to overtime. Right. Duke, UConn. Like Unbelievable. The one, 2000. Right, in 99, whatever yeah, it was. Like Either way. But, yes, this was right like up here there with, with this, it. We and don't forget about Duke Butler, where Butler almost won a game. Absolutely. Right. So I thought about it. One, I, I was at home, and I just began running around my apartment doing an airplane for no reason. <laughs> right. Like, I wanted Villanova to win, but I wasn't, like, really needing him. Yeah. Same I, I was thinking, look, we always get hyperbolic about this. Is this the greatest? his championship moment but it ended on a three-pointer after Marcus Page had that one that that was one of the most incredible that was unbelievable. shots I've ever seen right and I started thinking about Super Bowls of like crazy endings right and I started thinking okay you have like the the Rams get stopped they stop uh, the Titans on the goal line right. Kevin Dyson 23. you have the two Vinatieri field goals okay. San Antonio Holmes toe drag Malcolm Butler's interception Montana and like to Joe Montana to Taylor right but 
the 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 Mike Jones one, the Kevin Dyson tackles on the last play. Last play. All the other ones happened with like 30, 40 seconds off. So you still had a kneel. Right. You still had a whatever. A kickoff, whatever uh, it was. That to me, that was bigger than Leitner shot. Leitner shot was to get to the final yes, four. That right. was in the championship. Agreed. And uh, like you said, North Carolina had the momentum there the last oh, minute, dude. minute and a half of the game. It was an awesome game with all the lead changes. And then there was probably three or four different times where I said, okay, Villanova's finally got this under yeah. control. They're going to be okay. Yeah. And then two minutes later, the game-tying three uh, by, Marcus Page. by Marcus Page was unbelievable. It actually reminded me of, like, the old Ray Allen shot that he did to beat Georgetown in the yes. Big East. Yes. Like, oh, I'm going to shoot it. Oh, find somebody to pass it. Oh, nobody's open. Let me shoot it. Ugh. That was unreal. All right, let's bring in Braxton Miller, who's been a part of some unbelievable championship games himself. Braxton Miller, wide receiver, the Ohio State University, and I'm pretty sure is one of Sims's man crushes. Yes, he is. Braxton Miller, I just want to say welcome to the internet. How did you not have Skype? You're like 23 years old, dude. You know, FaceTime, man, that's a new day and age now, man. <laughs> that's right, Braxton, tell him. I never did Skype until this Face- damn company made me work for them any either. <laughs> Right, man. It's all about the FaceTime, man. <laughs> well, look, we want to show the face. We want to build the brand. Did you watch the game last night? How did you react when that thing happened? Yeah, it was crazy, man. I was I was, I was, was sitting right in front of the TV with my boys. And um, first dude hit a crazy three. You know, then uh, uh, North Carolina fans went crazy. Marco Jordan went crazy. Then the last three seconds, dude came down and splashed it. That was that was the heartbreaking right there, but that was crazy, man. That uh, really was. What, what, really quick, you said that about Jordan. I thought the interesting thing was is everything right now gets the crying Jordan face. I'm <laughs> curious, what is what is your take on the crying Jordan face? It's hilarious. It's the funniest thing I've seen, man. <laughs> it's it's historical, man. It's so funny. I, I seen the first Mimi like in the 30 seconds after they lost. I'm like, oh my god. Time out. Time out. You just said two things there that are making me so happy inside. One, you said historical, which. I think was hysterical and historic together. Oh no, and we lost Braxton. Oh damn it! Are you still there, Braxton? No, oh, we gotta call him back because he called it a meanie. Oh, yes, he's okay, back. He's oh, back. Braxton! Oh, I'm so happy, Braxton. <laughs> Braxton. So wait, what did you say? It was a meme? Yeah, the Jordan face and the crying face. Braxton, it's called a meme, bro. The oh. meme. Meme, just meme. See, I really like the Braxton. Meme. I like yeah, you, meme, man. Yeah, Dude, the hell just, with all this No, crap. I'm just trying to educate Braxton. This is internet internet learning experience. <laughs> <The> meme, dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm curious, man. Look, everyone always talks leading up to the combine. Your guy's schedule is so regimented. You got to go speed, all that stuff. Uh, what are you doing now? Because now it's between the combine and the drift. Like, what, what are your days like? For right now, I'm going to go work out with a team right now. That's what I'm heading to. I'm heading out to the Woody. And uh, all I do, man, is just hang out, make sure my body's good, mm. stay in shape, and uh, just perfecting my craft. Do you drink coffee? No, I don't drink no coffee. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm just curious. I don't know if young people drink coffee like that. All right, I, got, I want to ask you a question uh, just about really the last year and a half of your life. Uh, I mean, two years ago, we're talking about, oh, Braxton Miller might be – a first-round type NFL quarterback, the dual-threat type of guy. Uh, then, of course, you get you get injured. Uh, Ohio State goes on, wins the national championship. What I really want to know is uh, the conversation between you and Urban Meyer and how you handled it just figuring out, okay, I'm going to obviously have to change my position as far as offensively. Well, how did that conversation go down and kind of what were your feelings when you – did you see it coming on the horizon? you look like a genius right now. But, yeah, you do look like a genius right now. I just like to know that story. 
Well, it was uh, it was my idea, man, because after eight months, I couldn't throw over 50, 50 yards. So uh, for the better decision for me and my future, you know, this being an athlete who I am, I just wanted to play a different position just to make sure I'm able to play football again. And I came to Coach Meyer with it, and he was shocked. And, you know, he really wanted me to play quarterback, but I told him I couldn't. And I told him I just want to play the you know, receiver role, Percy Harvin role. And let's make plays. Wow. So your your shoulder was that banged up that you gave it time to heal and you did not feel the same once you went out and threw the football to test it a little bit? Yeah, I tested it out, man. For I was with Dr. Andrews, Kevin Wilkes for a long time. I was in the lab. And things was going well, but, you know, it's 100%, but I wasn't throwing over 45, 50 yards. So right. Well, uh, you know, that's not going to work playing quarterback every down for Ohio State. So I had to figure something out. Okay, so when Man. you say that, sorry, I don't mean to cut Please. you off, but when you say that to Urban Meyer, what's his reaction as far as your idea going to wide receiver? And what was the first thing you did uh, to change your physical mindset and physical approach to playing receiver at, at the college level? Yeah, because Meyer, he was kind of, you know, he was kind of, you know, heartbroken at first, but, you know. It is what it is, man. I had to make a better decision for myself and make sure I'm able to play football again, which I'm really blessed to. And, um, man, it's just, at first it was kind of tough, tr- tough transition right. to playing quarterback to receiver. So I was weighing two, 215, 220 playing quarterback. That's where I wanted to go. You had, you, you had to lose some weight. You definitely look different in your uniform this year. Yeah, man. It was, it was you know, it was I had to figure out the hard way. I, mean, I, had, I try to keep the maintain. I try to maintain the 215, 220 running routes. It didn't work out pretty good. So I had to cut, <laughs> had to cut weight, body fat, eat clean, and uh, man, get him, get my uh, you know receiver body. Right, it's you, funny, man. you got it. Yeah, because we, we were sitting there, we're watching filming you the other day, and Sim says, you know, he's kind of got that Julian Edelman to him where he's super quick. To me, that's like the ultimate compliment because that man is slicing and dicing. What do you think of that comp, a Julian Edelman type of receiver? Man, he'd be, he be killing the league, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. He out there making plays. And uh, I just love watching him, too. Him and Tom have got a good connection. Yeah, well, I'll just let you know. I mean, the, the transition you made, I am in all of it. You did a phenomenal job, and I know you're really just scratching the surface, but uh, for my money, I do think you're the best slot receiver in the draft for sure. And, man, you look like you got all the physical ability to make something happen. So just keep it up, man. That's the one thing I'll say to you. Appreciate that, man. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just going to keep embracing everything and just you know, keep my grind going. Right. I'm curious. We debate. We had this debate last week because with Treadwell running his 40, everyone likes to say, oh, he's slow, he's fast. And we think the 40 is very overrated. I'm curious, what is your take on the 40 and how much people care about it? People care about it a lot, man. You know, I take pride in my speed, so I love it. <laughs> I don't care, you know. Well, then how pissed were you? How pissed were you after the combine? Yeah, I was very pissed, man. I was mad. You know, I had to, I had to redeem myself, man. I'm like, what the heck is going on, man? I trained all this time, and, I, and they caught me at four or five. I ain't never running four or five. Well, let me ask you this, because I remember all the stories afterwards. All the Ohio State guys were complaining about the time. Were you guys all running faster, and then happened? Like, what happened at the combine to all you guys? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of tricky, man. I don't know. Maybe my hand moved. Oh. Maybe some. I don't know. Well, what about, uh, I mean, first of all, I want to ask you what team you're about to work out with, but if you can't answer that, you don't have to. (laughs) But just give me an idea of your workout so far and maybe just how many uh, you've had with with NFL teams. I have one every week, probably like twice a week. Right. Uh, Man, um, 
And they're just putting you through the ringer. Just They want to, what, test you with the line of scrimmage, see your knowledge as far as slot receiver, can you read defenses, and they put you through all that type of stuff? Yeah, first, you know, they want to come, come hang out with you, get on the board, go over a couple plays, uh, see the knowledge of the game, you know, what you were saying. Right. And after that, they want to go out on the field, work you out, see your footwork, agility, drills, your, how your hips move, how you catch the ball. And uh, they put you through some some routes that they have in their playbook. So right, pretty much how it goes. And after that, they really you know they stay a little bit longer. You got to fly out. They're gonna take you out to dinner that night. How how much has your experience playing quarterback kind of helped you with this transition and being on the board and talking to NFL teams about your offense altogether? Oh, it, it's it's like second hand to me. So you know, just getting up on the board, talking football. That's what I love. So I don't, I don't have a problem doing that. Mm. Going over the coverages, lining up the, uh, the defenses, the front, all that stuff. And that stuff comes pretty easy. I have a life question for you. Uh, I saw a picture of you and your son Landon, and he's freaking adorable. And I'm curious, like, there's a lot of 19, 20, 21-year-old kids going through this right now. How different is it having a son for motivation, but just also, like, as a life process? Man, it's a lovely gift, man. You know, I cherish every moment that I give with my son. And, you know, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing, you know, just to have a son that look just like me, <laughs> act just like me, and he loves sports. And he, he understands a lot of things in life. So just hanging around me a lot, and just, you know, just, he's just a sport-minded kid right now. He just loves playing sports. He has no chill. He loves <laughs> playing the whole day. And, you know, it's just a blessing, man. It's tough at sometimes, but I embrace it. I got a lot of support around me, so I don't, I don't have a problem with it. All right. I, I want one more question about Ohio State. you got to pick somebody. I know everybody that's coming out in the draft at Ohio State is very good, and I expect all of you to probably be starting in the NFL. But I want to know, out of the guys coming out, who's the guy you look at and go, oh, man, he's going to get to the NFL and show some people or stand out or he's made for the NFL. If you were to pick one guy in this class, who would that be? Oh, man. That's so all right. Many, They're man. all, yeah, you're all awesome. Place. I know, I know. <laughs> like, I'm amazed that, like, Ty Powell has not gotten more credit through this process because I watch him on film and go, man, what is there not to like about 6'3", 210, and 446? You know, Von Bell seems to get a lot of the notoriety as far as the safety, but the Ty Powell kid is also a good player as well. So give <laughs> me... Yeah, give me give me somebody that you think is just going to kind of thrive in the NFL environment and playing style. Uh, man, I say Nick Vanette, man. He's built for that. You know, right. there's not too many tight ends that I've seen like that coming coming from college. You know, already six six, man, two fifty. You know, run. He can run receiver routes too. Right. That's um, that's a good one. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, he's gonna be man. He's he's gonna be a nice target. When I was playing quarterback, that's all I used to throw to his tight ends, him and Jeff. Right. Man, I love big targets like that. So he's going to dominate, man. I, feel like, I really feel good about him going in. Well, that's cool. Well, good Braxton, to hear. listen, we are super proud of you, man. You were awesome to watch. I know we got some Buckeyes in the back that were super happy with everything that you've accomplished. But also, dude, you transitioned from quarterback to wide receiver, but also to slot receiver, which I think has become one of the most important positions in the NFL. Yeah. We're hoping you get drafted to the right team. I want you in the perfect circumstance. Congratulations, man. Keep hustling. Man, that's, I appreciate that, man. That's, that's, that's love. That's and, and remember the love for Bleacher Report and Sims and Lefko when you're killing it in the league. We're you rooting for you, we'll man. We out. really are. We're rooting for you.
Man, I appreciate y'all, man, for real. Be good, right, man. man. Salute, Keep keeping dude. a baller with that Louis Vuitton hat on. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, this is the Chicago Bulls, man. It's all right. Don't worry. You're going to have lots of money to buy lots of Louis hats. So you're, you're just getting there. Man, don't be telling people I messed up that uh, meme, man. All right, no, I won't, I me, won't me. tell anybody. Me, me. That's what <laughs> you say. Out, Braxton, when you run by people, you go, me, me. And you're out. <laughs> Thank you, brother. See you, man. Have a good right, one, man. Be good. That's funny. See, that's what's, I think, the first thing that jumped out to me about him right away. Yeah, let's psychoanalyze it. The psychoanalyze would be, man, he's got the, the mindset of a quarterback. The, the personality of a quarterback, too. He's a too. leader. He's a leader. He's a man. He was very comfortable and open in the situation oh from gosh. Jump Street, right? Yeah, if you're listening on audio and you didn't see the video, right. he's chilling in his car, man. He's just right. – he's the he's at the face. He fulfills the thing that you've talked about before. you got to look – most people that look good play good. Yes, they do. And he just is that guy. Yes. And the slot guy kind of has to have a really strong mindset. No doubt about it. You're, like you were said, reading defenses, right. seeing linebackers, seeing safeties. Got to be able to communicate not only with your body but your mouth and brain as well because the quarterback, a lot of these times, those slot receivers, uh, like you see with Edelman and, and Brady, you got to be on the same page. They got to make sure they're seeing the same defense, the same coverage, the so same you zone think drops. When he's going and talking to teams. They're he's, I be bet super you, he's, I bet you he's blowing it out of the park. And you know, listen, there's a lot of I, I like the Sterling Shepard kid with Oklahoma. He's a nice little player, but I don't care. Seven days a week, I am picking Braxton Miller over Sterling Shepard. Do you think Shepherd. he could go in the first round? No, I do not. I don't really think any of these receivers are first round talent. It's so interesting. Now, except for maybe Corey Coleman, I would say he is first, but it's Baylor, but it's Baylor. and they're raw. Yeah. So uh, it's a very going to be. I, that's I think is one What's of the a great situation for Braxton. Oh, I mean, if he could go to the Saints, the Patriots, guys uh, that really have a history of Atlanta Falcons, slot. teams that are uh, yes, Washington Redskins. Pittsburgh suddenly needs another Pittsburgh wide certainly could use a guy like that. Yes, just a guy that again is smart, can do everything. He can run block. Yeah. You could put him at running back, three plays a game. The speed sweeps, the he halfback passes. And he kind of is a little bit of that role, he too. Is. That's where I say he's better than, like, a Sterling Shepard from Oklahoma. You've watched some Sterling Shepard yes. tape with me. He catches the ball, and he's got tons of space around him. He doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. One thing I know that kid can do is, first of all, as a runner, he is, he's running angry. He runs to go to the yes. house, and he can make people miss in space. I, I also think this is not to be underrated. When you're that age, 22 years old, yeah. and you can critically look at life and go, this position is going to allow me to have more success down the road. Right. And I, I, you never know if he's telling the truth. I will give him the credit because he seemed like he was, that he went to Urban and right. said that, and Urban was shocked. Right. But if he was really the one that thought that, that takes intelligence. That takes foresight. Yes, it you does. Know? Yes, it does. Especially and yeah. when you're someone that's been told for a long time how great you are to put your ego aside and say, this will be better. So you know forever. he's going to those workouts and they're Agreed. just messing with his shoulder. If he couldn't throw a pass 50 yards, they're just seeing how bad it is. But it's not that important yeah, when you're a wide that, receiver. Exactly right. Not that important. And, I, you know, it's a shame to sit, you know, hear it. It would have been, you know, I mean. I, he I, was the most interesting out of all the prospects with JT Barrett, Cardell, and Braxton because right. he, he throwed some, he had some great he has an unbelievable throws. arm. Yes, yes, an unbelievable arm. Now, yes, with size, decision-making, that had to be evaluated. Right, I don't know. So but. you mentioned Tyvis Powell there as right. someone that is an under-the-radar gem that you've studied. Yes. Where's your draft notebook? Get oh, it out. Here it's it goes. time to dive in to Chris Sims's draft notebook. <laughs> you know how it works. P.E. writes in cursive. No one can read it. I go through. I don't tell him who we're going to talk about. 
Let's get in there. All right, is it oh, that one? Man. You sure it's that one or this Ooh, one? Yeah, <laughs> so many. You're up to like what, a hundred prospects? I would now? say, yeah, I would say he I'm probably a little. He watches two to three games Chris of each guy. Chris wants to cover the whole draft this year. Normally, I mean, the last two years you've done just the first and second rounds. Yeah. Chris wants to be talking about seventh rounders. And this we're year. getting into really that. interesting nuggets because now Chris is getting into guys that people aren't talking about on television. Right. I've found some guys mm. okay. that you look at and you go, "You've written for most of them. Why is no one talking about this person?" Right. First one, this is a bigger name, a fringe first rounder, but many people have in the second round. Right. You wrote, this kid should lose 10 pounds and be Michael Bennett. He could be that type of player. I really like this kid. Ooh. Jihad Ward Ooh, out yeah. of Illinois. Right. But I love that you write in there, he should lose 10 pounds and become Michael <laughs> Bennett. Like, okay, you could be Jihad Ward, but why don't you just lose 10 pounds and be Michael Bennett? But what, why? This kid, that's a special name for you because you love Michael Bennett. I do love Michael Bennett. I love Jihad Ward. He is a first-round type talent. He really is. He's the end of the first round. He can go anywhere, in my, in my estimation, 25 to 45. Uh, but, you know, I, like a guy like him, I use a lot of comparisons to like Mario Edwards last year to Florida State, who was the second pick for the Oakland Raiders, yes. right? They went Amari Cooper, then him. This kid plays I mean, defense to end. Look at his body. First of all, that, if that doesn't just say beast alone, I don't know what does. But I'm shocked that he ran 5-1 because on film he runs a lot faster. He has legitimate bend around the edge. He is immovable uh, as a defense to end and as a three In technique. the words of Chris Sims, his worst, he doesn't lose. His worst is a stalemate. Yes. Exactly right. His worst plays are a stalemate. He is a. So then, he why is, wouldn't he go higher? Because it sounds like what you're talking about is amazing. Because he's not necessarily uh, like an elite explosion off the edge, and I think there's going to be teams that go, we don't know what to do with him. Do we make him a gotcha. DN? Do we but make him a three technique? But he seems to fit your four-three DN on first and second, move him defensive tackle. Exactly and third right. Down and get a pass rush. This kid could just about do anything. He's a special player. He really is. And the other thing I love about him, first of all, he plays extremely hard. He makes a ton of plays in pursuit, which I think I probably wrote. Uh, but when he hits people. He just He's not going for the tackle. He's going yes. to knock you out until well, next week. Well, what's really interesting is, one, if you go on Instagram, Jihad Ward, there's a video of him doing a Dominique Wilkins dunk between – like goes down and brings it back. So for a guy at, at 6'5", 300, that's incredible. Two, I read an article about him on MMQB and right. what it took for him to get to Illinois. Right. And he was traveling 25 miles a day at a JUCO college in New York. Right. Taking play, like trains and cars and walking miles with pads. This is a guy that has fought – and he's gritty, and he hasn't been given anything. Well, and his, I play love kids like like that. That. his play is like that. His play is like that. It reflects that. Yes, it does. He it's is not a Kim Dichie. No, that's the thing. Is this kid has not been given anything, and I do care about this. This is why the Kim Dichie conversation is very interesting because of guys like this. Because okay, he's the same size as Kim Dichie, basically, right? Kim Dichie's what six three, two ninety four. Yes. So they're two inches apart and three pounds apart. Uh, Kandichi is a better athlete than Jihad Ward, but not by much. Right. And I also look at Jihad Ward's film and go, The motor doesn't stop. It's a lot better than Kandichi's, yeah. the film, consistently game-to-game basis. I know, I'm trying to look him up. If there was, did you write anything else that was anything crazy on there? You, I can't remember what notebook all. I got. You okay, covered cool. it all. Good. You were great. But the other thing that's really amazing about that kid yeah. is he has, like, legitimate, like, around-the-edge pass-bend ability, yes. which is uh, – And I, I, you let me watch some of his film. Yes. And what I thought was incredible was when the runs were away from him, who was the guy, like, flying in the frame the going, pursuit. who is this guy? Yes. Just all over the place. Right. Yes. All right, you got to move on. Okay. Next guy – now, I, when I started reading this, I went, okay, Sims is a little bit too excited. You wrote, this guy is some f***ing blocker, and you underlined 
twice. Wow. Why is this kid not being talked about oh, more? Oh, I know who it is he now. He is legit. Right. Then you write, this kid is a Gronkowski, Kelsey type with better straight speed. Right. He could be a star in the right offense. Right. So you double underlined f- and compared him to Gronkowski. Yeah. This kid, uh, Jarrell Adams, Jarrell South Carolina. Adams, tight end of South Carolina. I haven't heard him mentioned one time, and you're telling Pull me he's up his drunk. combine results. Uh, okay, they'll come up. I know. Oh, okay, you're right. I forgot we got graphics on this. All right, podcast. so tell me about Jarrell Adams. Uh, well, first of all, let me just say this. I so am. He's I really two forty seven. Right, four six forty yard dash, and had a vert of thirty two and a half. Right, uh, and, and really, first of all, I, I mean. I, I'm very I, tight ends. My last position, I really have not dove into because everyone the keeps telling me it's a super weak position this year. I would have a hard time believing any of them are as talented as this kid. I don't care. I, I've seen enough of the Ohio but you State. You also kid. wrote that the quarterbacks for oh, South, South Carolina, Carolina were pitiful. Right, exactly. Right. Plus, they had to go through the Steve Spurrier "I quit on my team" experience. Oh, yeah. Right. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, he. I was that was the first thing that I was amazed by. His run blocking was Gronk esque. I mean, he was dominating SEC defensive ends. So at first I went, "Wow, this is some run blocking tight end." Yeah, he'll and be then, number two. And then I looked at his stats and whatever else, and his combine results, and I was like, "Well, wait, this kid must do more than that." And you continue to watch, and then he takes off downfield, and you go, "Holy cow, he can really run!" Yeah, and he can run routes, and he's fearless over the middle. Uh, would have a hard time believing there's a more talented tight end in this. I, in fact. I, he is better than the top tight ends from last year, whether that be Max Williams or yes. Clive Walford. Uh, that's where you can't get obsessed with stats and production. I hate hearing that in the Especially draft analysis. Especially SEC offenses. Exactly right. Exactly right. There you yeah. go. Right. Evaluate the player himself and what he does on a physical basis. You can't default him because he doesn't have a lot of receptions. Yeah, I mean, I could throw better with my right leg than some of those South Carolina quarterbacks. So, of course he doesn't have a lot of receptions. And you're a lefty, so it's the I right know. leg. I know, mean, my right leg is really impressive. Right, I didn't even go with the right arm. Uh, yes, but All this right, kid... so second round, you said top 50 player in your notebook. Yes. So you think second round. Well, Gronk went in the second round. Yes, and Gronk had injury issues. This kid, I mean, if you look at teams, at the, is there anybody at the end of the first that would be desperate for a tight end there as I think about it? I'm not sure there is anybody. I mean, so the, how many of the Broncos? Have the Broncos would be really a great fit for him. Yeah, I mean, that would be Gary perfect. The running, the bootlegs. And the uh, Steelers are replacing. Watched because, like, the kid from Arkansas is the the number one. Hunter Henry is yes. the tight end that everyone's talking right. about. Right, and I've only seen a little of him. I have his film. I ju- oh my, it's charging. But my iPad of him, and I'm really going to get my deep dive into them today. It's charging. Uh, but but uh, I've only seen him really only in passing to this yeah. point. Um, so you're right. I, I, I'm making a bold statement without evaluating the rest. But, but my experience being Gronk, around NFL tight ends, right, my whole life. I mean, I grew doesn't up matter what everybody as else a five-year-old like. watching my dad play catch with Zeke Mowat and Mark Bavaro at the local field. So I have a pretty good idea what a pro tight end is supposed to look like. And that kid's what it's supposed to look like. All right. And then we get to this guy. And you write. <laughs> Power is mind-blowing. Pushes everyone back. I heard concerns about this kid in the Alabama game, and he plays defensive tackle most of the game at 259 pounds. What the f***? And you underlined it twice. Yes. One of the best watches. He's built like just Justin Houston, not as athletic. He's like a Dante Hightower, but more physical. Yes. Jordan Jenkins yes. listed as outside linebacker at Georgia. You wrote in there, he's listed as outside linebacker, but the first three plays are at defensive tackle, defensive end, and inside linebacker. Yes, right. He was all over the place. He is one of the most, 
uh, physically powerful pound-for-pound uh, pound men in the draft. Mm. And what's crazy is... Yeah, he benched 16 times. Right. You're like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because you're exactly right. The first three snaps, I watched like a, a tape, right, of all the relevant, irrelevant plays, the good, the bad, all of it. So the first three snaps, he's at three technique. Then he's there playing three, four. The next down, he's playing five technique. And I'm like, What? And I had to go back and look. I was like, how much does this guy weigh? Because, like, the first snap, he, like, blew the guard off the ball. And then he's playing outside an linebacker. Guard. Yes, an inside linebacker. He played more defensive tackle against Alabama than he did on the edge of the defense, which this is Alabama where we talk about power running and huge holes. the number one center in the draft exactly. with Derrick Henry coming behind exactly him. Exactly right. Uh, this, I, I, this kid, again, I don't think he's a first-round pick because he doesn't do anything sexy or maybe elite enough. But I do think he goes somewhere in that 30 to 50 range again because he can do too many things. If you want him to start it as your – It is so funny how many SEC prospects you go, what are coaches doing with these guys? Well, they just – all the kids want to go there. And the Southeast is full of the right kind of NFL player. I mean, just in general, whether it be Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, yeah. South Carolina, Louisiana, those kids yeah. are made to play NFL football, and they happen to be in that region. So of all the positions he played, where would you play him in the NFL? Ooh, I, inside linebacker or outside linebacker, one of the two. I would probably play him at outside linebacker. Does he have the speed for that? He does, yes. His speed is better than 4'8", and... Uh, like I said, he's not Justin Houston coming around the edge or anything like that, but he has enough ability and explosion to come around the edge, and he has enough ability to, again, bend around the corner like I always You said he has nothing excellent, but it sounds like his run defense is excellent. It is. His, his, he has nothing excellent as far as first-round traits, yes. but he also has zero negatives. I mean zero And, yes, there is not, he's consistently good he, at everything he, he is, does. He is 6'3". 259, right. which I look at and go, hey, that's Khalil Mack's size. Exactly that's right. That's Jadavian Clowney's size. And that's kind of power he has. He has Khalil Mack Surprises power. you how powerful oh, he it's, is. It's like, oh, I'm, you're a 320-pound offensive tackle. Roar, get off me. And he goes and makes a tackle. Is that, when you watch, Speed to when power. When you watch a Jordan Jenkins or a Jarrell Adams, do you sit there and found like you just found gold? Well, like, Are you like, you guys got to see this. This well, is crazy. I'm amazed, and also I look at it and go, Man, or, you know, it makes me question some of the other experts out there because I go, are they watching film? Because you would certainly know these guys. This kid would pop. You would certainly have them in your top five positional yeah. rankings. He'll love his body, too. I mean, literally, you could do this right on his butt and go, hold on, Jordan. Can you stay there? Let me walk away. So he fits Sims' number one criteria. Legs, legs and, and butt. Ass. We should yes. come up with a Sims checklist of things that he likes. Like, number one, legs and ass. Oh, Check. man. I was going to ask, how does he only bench 16 times then? Like, I just looked up, Khalil Mack benched 23 reps. Yeah. Yes, I, 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 I don't significant... know. I know. Very shocked. Uh, but I would also say... I would also say... When Cam has the just bench... pointed out Von Miller benched 21 times. So yeah, but it's also, when has the bench ever transitioned doesn't into, always mean it. into right. strength? Right. His strength Sometimes is just here and here. Exactly right. Like, I am built like a Mack truck, but I don't go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm putting up. And we're on to the next Well, segment. I can just say this. Like, it doesn't always translate. It is confusing because he is extremely powerful. Uh, he does have pretty long arms, though. So his well, ability to do have this just and hold it. people. You may have just said it. Right. It's all like that. Let's see how much he could squat. Right. Like, I'll give you an ex-player that I played with, Greg Spires. You've heard me talk about yes, him before. he was defensive end for the Cowboys for a number right, of well, years. And the Bucks when they and were the winning Super Bowl. Yeah. So, Spires would play. Greg I'm not Spires. joking you. Greg Spires could not bench press 135 ten times. And he was a 270-pound, maybe the strongest pound-for-pound guy on our defensive line. He would – it was like – 
damn, Greg, do you have a muscle in your chest? And then Sunday it came on, and it was like, oh, uh, you know, here's Tyrone Smith. Roar, get off me. And he would go make that play. And he'd be like, I mean, literally, I don't think he's got a muscle on his body, and he can't bench press, but he throws 300-pound men around like it's nothing. So, so those were your nuggets that I like to find yeah. at mine. I take many more pictures of guys you guess we'll have more don't next week. Don't point at my nuggets. When I was pointing playing. at oh, your, okay. <laughs> your book. Okay. Uh, one other thing that I'm, I'm seeing a lot in the draft is this is the first year in a row where it, the, the number one team doesn't need a quarterback. So there's so much talk about who they're going to take. Yeah. Peter King wrote in MMQB, he talked about when you look at 2008, nickel defenses were used 43% of the time. Yes. Compared to last year, they were used 60. 63% of the time. There you go. And he was saying it's part of the reason why they're seriously considering Jalen Ramsey at number one. I know that Miller has Jalen Ramsey as number one on his board. I've seen him going number one to the Titans in a lot of mock drafts. You're the only one I know who, when I ask you about Jalen Ramsey at right. number one, says... Absolutely not. Yes. And I'd like you to explain to everybody why you feel that way. Yeah, well, I just wouldn't go with number one, first of all, because we're not even sure what position people want him to play at. So, to me, that's a little bit like, okay, I understand he's a freak of nature, but I want to see him be great at something. I'm not sure he necessarily fits what Tennessee Dick LeBeau wants to do defensively out there. Now, Dick LeBeau likes guys that tackle, that's for sure, and this kid is not afraid to tackle. Listen, if they go number one, if he goes number one, I'm not going to be like, oh, that's so stupid. I'm just telling you that would not be where I would err on. And my first, first argument, and yes. we've talked about this before, is in a league where – Let me just say this to okay. end this conversation. I'm sorry. But, okay, Jalen Ramsey at one. Great. But there's other good safeties in this draft. First of all, I think the safety market is being a little underestimated. I, I, that's the one thing I've realized after going through maybe the so-called top ten or so. Before you get to this, I right. want to ask you this yeah. question. We, we just got done a season where we praised multiplicity. Yes. Guys able to play safety and corner. Sure. You're telling me there's a guy that's built like an elite safety that has the speed to play corner or safety right. that can be used in multiple facets for Dick LeBeau, who likes zone blitzing and disguises things, right. and this guy can do all of that. You're almost filling two positions. What, yeah. what, 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 well, what I, don't, I don't think that's true. See, that's like our, our age and our Madden video game stuff coming into our head. Like, oh, I'll play him on corner in one play, and then the next play I'm going to make him the strong safety in the box. No, that's not going to work. It'll affect his quality of play. It really will. So he's going to have to play one or the other. Now, at time, as time goes on, will he be able to maybe do a little both as he learns the NFL? But he's, if he wants to go to Dick LeBeau's offense and number, defense at number one, he better get ready because that's like comparable to New England Patriots offense. It's complicated. There's going to be lots of rules. It's going to be somewhat of a learning curve. Uh, so that's you why I say that. Yeah, I, I, no, no, I, I don't know if I can give you. What is the gap between him and the next quarter? Vernon Hargraves, it's, it's, it's not much. I, like I've told you, if you said it's third and seven and I need a corner to play man-to-man, I would probably pick Vernon Hargraves over Jalen Ramsey. Because your big concern with Jalen Ramsey, and, and, and look, I'm prodding you because I know how it's you feel. It's all cool, cool. I, I, yeah. I know that with Jalen Ramsey, you don't think he's great in short area quickness. Right. Like you ability think he's to, good long speed, but if he had to cover someone in the slot, right. you don't think that's his specialty. I think it could be a struggle for him. Yes, yeah, side-to-side movement, quickness. Listen, you can't have it all, right? We, we know that. Yes. No, nobody's got it all. So, yes, his change of direction, ability to burst in and out of transi- transition, just stick his foot in the ground and stop on a dime. No, he does not do that as good as the the Hargraves or the Mackenzie Alexanders. No, he does not. This is my other thing I'll say, too. Listen, if you like him, okay, like I said, there's other good safeties, too, that if you wanted to go Tennessee in the second round, they could go Keanu Neal, who we've talked about from Florida. Yeah. Also, 
I got to say it because I can't help it, and this is my other new man crush. I mean, take T.J. Green from Clemson. I mean, T.J. Green has the same size as Jalen Ramsey. He's actually played safety, and he's faster and jumped higher than Jalen Ramsey. Mm -hmm. So we talk about the freak Jalen Ramsey is. This is another guy where I would just go and go, is, are these experts watching football? The, because big, the big thing for you beyond T.G. Green, who check him out because apparently he's, he's a freak of nature. He's one of the freakiest people your, in the draft. Your thing is four, the three, drop four. off from Jalen to the next corner or the next safety isn't as big as you think Tunsil is to the next tackle. Thank you. That would be our, probably be a yes. That yeah. would be a and, and I liked Stanley and Are you and sure Decker. that Tunsil is the franchise left tackle? Yes. He, yes. He's a lock. Yes, he is a lock at a left tackle. I think the interesting thing about that first pick too is going to be. If Kaepernick gets traded to the Denver Broncos, are the 49ers going to try to go up to one and get Carson Wentz? Because Carson Wentz, because the Titans, there's a lot of there's a lot of people they can. Get so there they at say. Seven. Listen, and NFL people or people watching yeah. this, be careful what you hear this time of year. It's a lot of BS. It's all yeah. just you know crap out there to drive the needle and get. We did a piece with Cole yesterday where he said that the 49ers and the Titans have already talked and that the 49ers are basically deciding whether they need to go up to one to get Goff or Wentz right. or whether they can get one of them at seven. Well, I would say, yes, they definitely have to go one to get Wentz for sure because if, if they didn't, then, I mean, Hugh Jackson and um, Pat Hamilton are the greatest actors I've ever seen in my life because the way they were thrilled about Carson Wentz's workout, watching it on TV, yeah. uh, then they really are some uh, let's, good let's BSers. Let's go to Kaepernick now. My question for you is yeah. if you're Colin Kaepernick, right. so put on your Colin Kaepernick hat, yeah. Would you stay in San Francisco Oof. to protect that contract for $12 million a year right. and keep your value right. and be in a situation where apparently it's not going well right. or take half of that $6 million to go and play for Denver? It's a very What would you do if you were that player? Right. Uh, it's, a really tough situ- that's a, it's a really tough question because, first of all, I think Kaepernick is a perfect fit in that Chip Kelly scheme. But I think at the end of the day, if I'm Colin Kaepernick and I'm truly trying to be him, I go to the Denver Broncos and take less money. Check your ego at the door. It's the perfect fit, the perfect team. There's obviously some things at San Francisco that he's not totally comfortable with within the locker room, the organization, whatever it may be. Go there, take less money, have an unbelievable year, go to the playoffs, and then the next year they're going to give you more money than you're going to make this so year in San Francisco. maybe go and say just a one-year deal? Something like that. But the that. thing is, right. is like, so he just signed this contract with all this money, and we always talk about how when you're a player, man, you got to fight for that money. Yes. The, it feels like he'd be hurting his long-term value by cutting it in half and changing the market for him going forward. But then again, as a quarterback, if the demand's there in the future, the demand's there in the future. Yeah, exactly right. And the demand will it's be there. It's easy for us to say, take half the money. Yeah, it's extremely easy. You're right. Oh, yeah, just take $5 million. But you genuinely believe if you were in that situation, you'd take half. Yeah, I do think I would. You have a special team, an offense that fits you really well, and – Yes, if, if you just win and you have a good year, there's going to be a big market for you forever. Because right now the question marks about Colin Kaepernick are, are going to prevent anyone from giving him a lot of money. Right. It's the same reason why I think RG3 shutting up and 
talking to Mike Shanahan and Mike Shanahan talking to RG3, sometimes you need to change the image of how you're perceived no doubt. so that other places will take a chance on Exactly you. right. And maybe that's what it takes for Kaepernick, but I would have a hard time leaving $6 million on the table. It's tough. So if he's not going to do it, right. I'm not going to hate on him no, for no, it. No, I hear but you. But I also want to say, let's see what you can do with Chip. And either way, he's going to have to compete. Dante Whitner got cut by mm. the Browns. Dante mm-hmm. Whitner is a longtime veteran. He grew up in Cleveland. Yes. And they cut him on April 2nd right. instead of cutting him in the beginning of free agency. Right. And now most teams have allocated their free agent money elsewhere. They're planning for the draft. And now Dante Whitner is on the street. And usually it's, well, that's business. That's how it goes. And you went, you don't do that to a veteran. No. Why is that? What is the unwritten rule there? Well, you give the veteran a guy like Dante Whitner, who's a true professional, a guy from what, Cleveland, Ohio, yeah. went to Ohio State, you know, was a free agent and went to Cleveland because he wanted to make Cleveland a better football team. No, you cut those kind of guys right away when you know that it's going to happen because you give them a chance and their agent a chance to talk to teams that... What if I say you're just being romantic and that's not how they should treat? You know what? He'll move on. Well, listen, that, that's great, but Dante, the, the bad thing for Cleveland in these, these kind of instances or for any team that pulls this move is, yeah, great. Dante Wittner's been on a few football teams. He probably is friends with 100 guys in the NFL, and now he's on the phone going, man, don't go to Cleveland. They're st- stupid there. They disrespect me. They got no respect for their veteran leadership. But you're also saying as a veteran, why, why would you go there in the future when you know that they might do this? That's what, that's what I'm saying. That's what he is saying to these people. But even, exactly even right. as agents, agents might tell No doubt about guys. it. They're going to lose respect. And it goes into what we've heard already with Cleveland, just that agents are a little confused. Yeah, with, with Mitchell Schwartz. Exactly right. Pulling so, back offers. So those are little things that do. They go a long way with NFL teams. Like a, like a Frank Gore calling up a friend last year and going, Oh, really, LaShawn, Chip Kelly's not cool? Mm. You know what? I'm not going to go to Philadelphia. I'm going to go to the Colts. That's exactly what happened. Right. So now you're going to have people doing that to Dante Whitner, and he's not going to have a lot of good things to say. You don't do that to a veteran, uh, top-end NFL football player at the end of Who his career. Who do you do it to? Well, listen, for a guy that's played on your team for a year or two and had no contributions yes. or whatever, sure, listen, he hasn't earned those type of stripes. Gotcha. But they're just kind of unwritten rules there. And, hey, maybe they didn't know. But I would think at the end of the day that they really did know and this yeah. was on their radar for probably I, a month. I, once again, I feel really bad to Cleveland Browns fans because I want them to be good because every team in the NFL is cyclical. But I feel like right now they keep trying to come up and management and ownership keeping them down here. Right. Have we seen any other releases like that? You know what I mean? Right? No, but I would like to give a quick ode to Joy, to Reggie McKenzie, who continues to be the best GM this offseason, getting Reggie Nelson. They made it official? Reggie Nelson, I think, wow. is officially going to be going there. If not, I apologize. But you have Reggie Melson, Sean Smith. uh, Who else did they get this offseason? DJ Hayden. This this offseason, they got Bruce Irvin coming off the edge. Yes, and we're missing. Who was the other big one? No, it might have been it. Well, they just got all of Smith, too. But But Sean Smith and Bruce Irvin were the big ones. Yeah, I think they were. They got a guard? But oh, no, just, they got uh, Eugene Monroe. Yeah, we're messing no, up. No, not Eugene not Monroe. Monroe. Kalechi Osemele. Kalechi Osemele, right, right. Is that yeah. how you say his name? Uh, whatever. Osemele. Osemele. <laughs> yeah, but no. I mean, Reggie McKenzie, I remember when we first started working here, yes. there were people saying Reggie McKenzie should be fired. He's not doing enough. Right. And then he didn't spend a lot of money in last year's free agency right. to get Randall Copper and Dominican Sue, but instead got you know Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, killed it. Went out, got the right guys, yes. Khalil Mack. Yes. 
Props to you, dude, for proving yeah, we everybody love wrong. Um, and then one other thing that's an unwritten rule is talking about other guys' personal stuff in the league. Yeah. And with Greg Hardy doing an interview with Adam Schefter, and in that interview saying, I've never put my hands on the woman, man, I was raised in the Bible Belt, which to me, let's be honest, doesn't mean anything, and it's a cop-out because you're saying, where you were raised... If that's where you were raised, and I have questions for the whole Bible Belt then, because <laughs> I've seen the photos. But he says, I've never put my hands on a woman. No, sir. Right. Steve Smith comes out, Mr. Senior, Don't and says, oh, so I guess she tripped on the carpet or something. My mom is a sur- survivor of domestic violence, and I advocate against domestic violence. And I asked you, there's been so many campaigns in the NFL against domestic violence. As a player, we all applaud Steve Smith for speaking up. But should more players be speaking up? And when? which players should speak up against Greg Hardy? Yeah, well, I don't think, as a whole, NFL players are not going to say much, first of all. Not everybody knows the exact details. And for the most part, the NFL is like, listen, it doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm going to just keep my mouth shut. The guys that should speak up are guys like Steve Smith, who have been in families or a relationship that was similar to you know, a woman getting abused with domestic violence. Yes, those should be the guys that call out Greg Hardy. Because they have a story. Yes. I mean, come on. He didn't put his hands on anybody. So, I mean, what's, what's he saying there? That he didn't punch her or hit her, but he threw her on the bed of guns? That's still hands. I don't really. Exactly right. So, uh, guys like Steve Smith, yes, kudos to him for coming out. And You're saying William Gay is William Gay has also been a guy against... that was, uh, right. Yeah, but There's I would other also guys argue, out there. I would also argue, right. we talk about this all the time. I know yes. Charles Barkley said famously in that commercial he's not a role model right however as men that are that are on a stage and are put microphones in front I think it's very powerful when they can advocate for someone that they're against and I maybe this isn't the place where you look at someone and say you're a liar and you're not doing it right but I also think that this is such obvious bullcrap yeah I know that you look at it and go I, I mean, I, I don't know if Greg Hardy, the GMs are going to have to say something by not signing this guy. Yes. Because I don't think well, they're saying he's it. kryptonite. Right. You can't bring him in. And not from a PR perspective, you can't bring him in because of the message that you're sending to young fans that you're saying it's okay to do that and then lie about it. Sure. Or just the way he acted as a professional last year. All the things that, we heard from right, that the locker late room. meetings, Nick late Hayden all the time. Right. It. So that, that, that alone is going to be a bad example for your locker room at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, Greg Hardy, uh, he seems like a guy that truly needs a little direction. Uh, he really definitely does. And I don't know what that is, but regardless, he needs somebody to rein him in yes. a little bit and help him. Because we're, I don't want to see him waste away. We're going to end on, a, on a, I guess, a philosophical note. It comes down to my favorite word these last few months, right. ego. And he has not been able to look at himself and go, what have I done wrong? Right. And in a, in, a, in a week or two in which we've seen RG3, who was talked about as being an egomaniac, getting off social media for a year, going to coaches, saying that I'm humbled, really changing himself. Right. This is the land of second chances. This is a land where if you can admit what you've done wrong, Andy Pettit with steroids, we are okay bringing you back in. Right. If Greg Hardy would have gone up and said, you know what, I will speak out against domestic violence. Right. No one should do this. It's wrong. I apologize. I will speak to kids. I will go to universities. I will give money. If he did that, he could be a star in this league. But instead, he is filled with ignorance. He is filled with ego. And he will never allow himself to move past this. And because of this, he will probably live with this mindset and the inability to bring in new income for a very long time.
he's in trouble. He's certainly in danger. And the thing is, is I want him to come around, but if he doesn't, yeah, gotta move on. You can't feel. Gotta move on. I know. It, it, it'll get scary because that is a really big man leashed on the world. <laughs> And that kind of frightens me. How many times I'm did not, you say? How many times did you say, "Wow, he's a really big man"? When you saw him in person at training camp last oh year? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I will, I, he is super uh, scary. He, it was like his first man crush. He was like, "Man, that guy he came DM? out," and I was like, "That is a six-five muscle of anger." <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's a bad dude. I know. I know. I'm not telling him where the office is located because <laughs> I just said a lot of stuff. Chris, Sims, say goodbye. Uh-huh. Peace out, homies. Oh, I'm going to give a shout-out to my cousin, David Hines. He watches it in Kentucky. i got to give him a shout-out. David Hines, what's up? David Hines, 57 yeah. Reasons. Oh, I should have done that last episode. You're right. I was supposed to. All right. Uh, Fendrick, say the toodles. Good, everybody. We'll see you next time. Toodles. It's been Gabe, a pleasure. Let me see those stinky fingers. Oh, uh, control room. Great job. You guys were awesome. Uh, uh, Jake, I'm sorry we talked about the Browns like that. It's okay. I hope the Indians are losing. <laughs> and let's uh, go to the old ingest room really quick. Whoa! Whoa! Inception. George shooting back at us. Claire. Random Claire shot. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, Claire has no idea what's going on uh, right now. That's amazing. Episode 58 in the book says...